was Jesus gay? New Testament, right? Very chapter one. Jesus was a That's guy. Right. My mentor for a long time, he taught me you go on a date night every single week. Every single week. And there's been, there was one week where we didn't have date night. And he dropped everything, called his daughter, and got us a babysitter that night. We had a date night that week. The fingers have got to be pointed here. And women are craving it. They they really are. They, they, they want to be near a man that leads well, that doesn't come from weakness, that wants to manipulate and control for their own physical pleasures, for their own ego, that they're willing to lay those things down. We're designed to work in, in, in that kind of a structure. And welcome to the Alpha Dad Show. I am your host, Colton Whited, along with my host, Mr. Andrew Bloomer. And we are two dads pursuing being alphas in a world that is pushing us to be betas. And we are on a mission to inspire 10,000 other dads to join us on this vision of becoming alphas ourselves. Mr. Bloomer, welcome to episode one of Alpha Dad Show. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Man, well, I'm excited. As people that are clicking on this thumbnail probably know, we got a hot topic for show one. We did not start off light. We did not start off easy. We didn't choose uh, the, the bunny trail. Uh, if, if this was skiing, we didn't go down the, the, you know, the green ones first, the little bunny hop the ones. Bunny we went, we yeah, went straight no, no, for no. the double black diamond on this one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> was Jesus gay? And you know, in pursuit of this, as we were researching this, we talked a couple weeks ago, Andrew, about this. I remember even... Uh, mentioning like, hey, like this is what I think we should cover, and you were talking, we were going back and forth, and you were talking about it with your wife, and she's like, "Oh man, I don't know. That's a little, <laughs> that's a little." Yeah, intense, we but. we were talking about it at dinner, and I was like, "Hey, I think the first show is going to be called Was Jesus Gay?" And she's like, "Whoa, <laughs> hold up, <laughs> borderline <Whoa>. blasphemous." <laughs> right, right, right. It is, but it's it's something that should be talked about for sure. Well, and, and 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 when we first started talking about it, I obviously had a, a certain point I was going with it, but then in researching like like this different topic and and okay, where are people coming from on this? What does culture think about this topic already? Man, I, I was actually surprised. Probably like three percent of the population of the content out there, people were like, "Yes, he was gay. He was trans. He was gender fluid. He was all these things." And they're right. they're transforming Jesus into this this thing. I don't think that's the normal. I don't think that's what most people are thinking. But there's a no. percentage of the population out there that's like, "Yes, Jesus was gay. He was gender fluid." And it's shocking. It was shocking to me. It's shocking. Yeah, it's it's not. It's definitely not the majority. And I guarantee most people watching this aren't having this question they didn't probably come to this video to get the answer to this question because they probably already know the answer to this question but it's it is it does happen in a small small uh minority but the 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 big problem the issue is what's going on in the church and i think that's what we're going to talk about and break down here yeah jesus was our role model you know these the red letters that's the that's the role model this is who we're pursuing this is this is the this, the standard the gold standard if you will this is what we're pursuing and then in order to make that all work, we've kind of betafied Jesus. We've kind of, you know, blended this stuff and we've made Jesus into this other thing. And we've, we, it reminds me, Andrew, when you go to like the Garden of Eden, I mean, the very first time that Satan was tempting Eve, he didn't come out blatantly and like just start saying stuff. He started asking questions and then kind of playing in the gray. It was, gentle, yeah. it was very gentle. It was very smooth. You yeah. know, Satan, Satan's not overt. He's very covert. He comes in, he comes in soft. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to talk about the church today because the, the church is supposed to be the the model of Jesus in this in this era of this time and what is the church looking like that's supposed to be a reflection of Jesus and um, inside of this I, I found this this video and inside of half truth from a half truth I found this video of the Pope and, and obviously Andrew and I are not Catholic and just to start off too 
Andrew and I are not gay. <laughs> <Andrew> <laughs> That's a fact. That is a fact. We're both uh, married. We've got have amazing kids. Um, again, pursuing alpha dad stuff here. But um, right. I, I did come across this video of the Pope. And, and I want to play it's it. It's got to be good. It's the Pope. It's got to be good. It's got to be a good video. <laughs> well, he's supposed to be the head of the church, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Catholic Church. But but as a standard, like this is the standard he's setting here for the Catholic Church. And I thought this was a pretty interesting uh, take. Let's play this clip real quick. Ser homosexual no es un delito. No es un delito. Sí, pero es pecado. Bueno, primero, distingamos pecado por delito. Pero también es pecado la falta de caridad con el prójimo. ¿Y vos cómo andás? Cada hombre y cada mujer tiene que tener una ventana en su vida donde pueda volcar su esperanza y donde pueda ver la dignidad de Dios. Y ser homosexual no es un delito. Es una condición humana. So if you're sitting there and you're like, wait a second, I don't understand a word that guy's saying. Uh, there was there was translations on the screen. <laughs> but one of the, the, the shocking things to me, so he starts out and he's talking about, uh, you know, being homosexual is not a crime. Being homosexual is not a crime, which is true. Andrew, is being homosexual a crime in the United States of America? Definitely is not a crime. It's encouraged. Actually. It's, it's, it's most time encouraged, <laughs> but it's definitely not a crime. And so he starts out with the yeah. truth, you know, and then, uh, you yeah. know, people, people need dignity. Is that true, Andrew? Do people need dignity? Oh, absolutely. People definitely need dignity. 100%. And it goes into, you know, we need a window in order to see God. This is true. I think people need to be able to be like, you know, no matter, no matter where they're starting from, no matter what the starting place is, they need to be able to see God and, and be able to experience him. But then he comes into, again, he repeats, homosexuality is not a crime. It's a human condition. And then that, that really brings up the point is, are people born gay? Is this, is there a, a born gay versus not born gay? And then inside of that, it's like, like skin color or these other things. Is this the way that you're born? Is this the way that you are? Is this how God made us? And the Pope just affirmed it is a human condition. Andrew, what are your yeah, thoughts on what, that? Is being gay a human condition? No. Well, being man is sinful. Man is born sinful. But that doesn't mean it's okay or it's good or it's acceptable or we should just live with it and accept it and bring it in and say, you know what, that's totally fine. But what the Pope is doing here is he's, like you said, he's starting with a small truth where, yeah, it's not illegal. It's not a crime to be gay. You're not going to go to jail for it. But he's starting with that small truth or, and then he's taking that and he's turning the pot hotter and hotter and hotter. And just yep. keeps going and keeps going and keeps going until he's like, okay, but you know, it, you know, it might be a sin, but it's not a crime. So, you know, it's, a, it's okay. It's all right. And, and, and that's what culture does. It does. That's what Satan does at the end of the day. You know, we're in the, we're in the world here. And I think, you know, go, there, there's a blueprint all the way back to Genesis here of, of how does Satan operate? Satan does not come out blatant. When he was tempting Jesus, he didn't come out blatant. He didn't the come out. Yeah. He didn't come out strong, you know, like, hey, do this right away. He came out and it was like soft. Hey, did they really say? And starts asking questions and in a questioning format. Um, and so it's just baked in with these half-truths. And what happens is, you know, at first you, you you tolerate it. At first you're like, hey, that's a thing. You know, you might start out against it and then you kind of tolerate. And then eventually you have to accept it. And acceptance is, is kind of a phase that, that the LGBTQ movement has pushed the church through. And the church is like, okay, we accept it. Okay, hey, come to church. It's okay. But it's not just ending with accepting, and I know I'm kind of bouncing out of, out of order here. Um, but Avery, can you show my screen here on this uh, this Andy Stanley thing? Um, Andy Stanley, <clears throat> he he has a video. And we'll play it here in a second as well. 
Um, but Andy Stanley came out and made a, a, an interesting stance on, uh, on, on the LGBTQ movement that we're going to be accepting. We're going to be accepting of LGBTQ. And, and has, is a video we're going to play here in a second that's pretty interesting. But inside of his his acceptance, accepting was no longer strong enough. And And when you're working with the world, when you're working with Satan, it never is. Like, they're going to always push you to the next step and to the next step and to the next step and to the next step. Accepting is not far enough. And here's the word that people keep coming back to, and it's affirming. It's not just accepting, it's affirming. If you just accept, it's not far enough. And so they had this unconditional contradiction thing. Uh, this was in, uh, I think this was USA Today or The Atlantic, one of those two. But um, Atlanta area pastor has said he affirms a New Testament sexual ethic, but his words and deeds have muddled that message. And I, I, I saw another post by somebody else, and uh, I, I just want to put this in here. Either stand with the marginalized community and fully affirm us, or stay out of the conversation. Don't offer half-assed sentiments and ploys whilst maintaining toxic views of us. We do, we deserve better than this, and this follow-up sermon was not the PR. If and that, what we're about to show, I think, is too far already. The accepting is too far. I think yeah. you know, you, if, if, if you first tolerate, and then you accept, and then you have to affirm. This is the process. This is the road that they want you to go down. This is Satan doesn't need everybody to be Satan worshippers. He just kind of like these small acceptance of half truths, half truths, half truths, half truths, half truths. Uh, Avery, can we play that video of uh, of Andy Stanley there? Can you have that pulled up? Who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community? I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. Gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. I know 1 Corinthians 6 and I know Leviticus and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness, a gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father and they still love God, we have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages. Andrew, here's a little fun fact about Colton here. I actually grew up at an Andy Stanley church. And loved, did you? I did. I did. It was an Andy Stanley really? Church yeah. Yeah. He would. He That's would, wild. He would zoom in every day before Zoom was a thing and pop on, on this big screen in front of us. And that was the, yeah, the message yeah. of the week. So he was the, the, the pastor. And man, this guy is like got so much wisdom and so much clarity. And he runs this amazing podcast on like business leadership and stuff. But here's kind of this path I'm talking about. You know, it's it's the tolerate and then accept. So he's gone down the path from tolerate into accept. And again, I don't know mm-hmm. who put the devil horns on him. It just, it was a great video because it kind of cut it up really nicely to put the... Uh, it wasn't us. We didn't put the devil horns on him. I did not put the devil horns on him. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not sure where he stands on a lot of that. But from an LGBTQ perspective, he went down from tolerate into accept. We're going to accept these people, you know, as they are. They're gay. They're, we're going to accept... And then the next step is to affirm, and he refused to affirm, but he accepted. And you know, I think that put him in a bad spot because the people that are on our side, of this you know, this 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 viewpoint here, this worldview of like, hey, we don't we don't tolerate, like like I I don't tolerate sin because the moment you tolerate, you're going to have to accept, and the moment you accept, you have to affirm. Right. And he he refused to affirm. He's on the accept line, but he refused to affirm, and that is just never far enough inside of the LGBTQ movement. They're going to keep throwing rocks. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. He, he's almost like putting uh, the gay, like the gay community, the gay people above non-gay people by saying, "Like, hey, look at them. They're an example. They're like what we should." Instead of like pointing towards Christ, he's saying they live in sin and they know about it and they're they're aware of it, but they're still worshiping God. Like, there, he's literally like like putting them on a pedestal instead of instead of having like a conflict and saying, "Hey." 
this is something that it says in the Bible that you shouldn't do. And instead of ignoring it or just accepting it and promoting it and, and working on it and fixing it and, and helping people that are in the situation to come out of what their, their sin and everything, instead of doing that, he's taking it and he's promoting it and saying, look at them. They're, they're what they're doing is great. And we should use it as an example. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's what's yeah. happening. The, the crazy thing is he, there's a lot of people that go to his church. You know, there's a lot of people yeah. who are listening to it. And there's a lot of people who go to the church for the first time and they don't have any other experiences. And this is what they're hearing. And that's like the sad part is, you know, if, if you have so if your neighbor goes, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to learn about God. And then they go and they hear this. It's, it's, it's kind of discouraging and it's, it's crazy kind of what's going on out there right now. It, it takes the example off of Jesus, off the gospel of who Jesus really was, off of the red letters like we, we, we started the show with, and it makes it exactly. about something about something different. And, you know, you, you and I were talking, one of the reasons we started the show is we're looking at like, okay, I'm, I'm a, a dad to a son. You're a dad to a son. You know, you, we both have sons and we're like, okay, we're, we're raising these young men. You know, they're, they're very young at this point. We both have actually, and, interestingly enough, Andrew and I's sons are only two days apart. So, uh, you know, yeah. they're both, both two years old right now, two and a half years old. And so they're very young right. men, but, but we're, we're kind of like setting things an example. We're setting up these standards and we're like, okay, what does it look like to raise a young man in the church? And what does this look like? And, um, you know, yeah. we're talking about worship songs. And I remember we're talking about, you know, uh, like if someone comes to, some, comes to church, like I love worship songs. I love, I was, you yeah. know, played, played on worship teams in, in high school and stuff. Um, this is a song. It's a song by Carrie Job. It's a, it's a, it's, if you just listen to it, you know, musically, it's a really cool song. It's great. But mm-hmm. as a man sitting in a church and it's a sing along, you know, type thing, they got the words bouncing on the screen and you're, you're following along. And then they come up with, you know, here's a chorus for you. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. And Andrew, have you ever related to another man in this context? Have you ever wanted to lay your head up against another man and just breathe and feel his heartbeat? I don't uh, know. I don't even know if I've ever related to my wife at this level. Like, this is like, like, this is, I've never wanted to sit next to anybody's feet. Like, have you ever seen feet? And like, (laughs) drinking from somebody else's cup and laying against, like, that's, it's like really detailed. And you're at, like, again, if you're a man who's never been to church before, or maybe you are, you do go to church, and you're standing next to other men singing about another man, and you're saying these words, like, I would feel super uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so common, though, in the church, the songs like this. It's crazy. I mean, I'd say it's at least, you know, a quarter, maybe half of the songs that come up. I'm listening to them and I'm like, I'm singing along with this. I'm kind of like coming into agreement with these, these things. And some of the yeah. songs are great. You know, we both have lines on our shirt. This is Alpha Dad shows. Yeah. We got the line, got to have the line on there. You know, and some of these songs come out and they're like, you know, Lion of Judah. And they're awesome. They got the great right. beats and the great drums. Yeah. And I'm not saying every song has to be a rock song or something. I'm not saying every song has sure. to have massive flexing and stuff. But yeah, there's some great hymns out there. Great hymns. Great stuff. But the amount yeah. of feminized songs that, you know, as a man that you're sitting there, you're like, man, this is really, this is really hard. I don't relate to Jesus. I don't relate to other people like this. It's really hard sitting there. And I, I think as, as a church holding to a standard of, of what does masculinity look like holding to a standard? You know, I, I grew up uh, going to private Christian school and it, I, I, it was a great Christian school, Presbyterian school. Um, the amount of kids I went to school with that have now come out as LGBTQ 
is shocking to me. I mean, I consistently see these big coming out posts on Facebook. I went to ministry school two years. I went to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry out in California. It was a great experience. I loved my time there. The amount of people that have come out of ministry school that are now LGBTQ friendly, uh, not only friendly, not only affirming, but a lot of them that are actually LGBTQ themselves, they identify. They say, I am, they have the big coming out post. You can see it coming a mile away, you know, all all rainbowed up. And you're like, dang, you know, that's right. It's these little half truths that they come into agreement with, and they just spin down these little rabbit holes, and then it goes from uh, accept and tolerate or tolerate to accept and to affirm. And it's just it's really hard um, to watch, really hard to see all that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, not only are people coming out of private Christian high schools or or even colleges, but now you're seeing more and more that there's professors, teachers, coaches that work at Christian organizations, Christian organizations, and they are like 100%, not only are they uh, accepting or affirming, they are gay. There yeah. are lesbian, uh, there, in Tulsa, there's a school where there's a lesbian coach and at a Christian high at a Christian school. And it's absolutely insane. Uh, but it's, it's gone even further than that. And then we're, for some reason, uh, you know, Christians are shocked that there's, that's going on, but it's mm. so deeply rooted in the schools and in the colleges it's 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 gone really really far to say anything contradictory makes you you know homophobic it makes you afraid of it i'm like i'm not afraid of it i just hold a certain moral standard that is separate from it and i you know if people people i'm i'm very libertarian personally socially libertarian i'm like man people should be allowed to do what they need to do my point is the church my point is is the people that say they follow jesus my point is this, that we have to hold a line of a standard, and I feel like that line just keeps getting muddled and muddled and muddled and grayed and grayed and grayed, and, and there's half-truths baked in, and then they you know these ask these subtle questions you have to agree with. you know It, uh, it makes it really hard. Um, but at the end of the day, Jesus was not gay. Jesus was, born, Jesus was born male. Uh, Matthew 123, you got here. Um, strong work ethic. Go ahead. And, yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, so let me pull it if I can see it here. Yeah, so it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So he was indeed a man for the 3% that say he wasn't a man. We don't know his gender. It was gender fluid. He, was he, was, he had questions about it. In the Bible, <laughs> it, it's New, in there. New Testament, right? Very chapter one. Jesus was a That's guy. Right. Yep, he was a guy. It's in there. <laughs> it's in the Bible. We can verify. Uh, you know, I, I like you put here, he had strong work ethic. You know, his dad was, his dad was a carpenter. You know I mean? I think anytime you're in those trades, you know, you got the, the strong masculine hands, you know, I think, I think that's, yeah. that's an important piece here. He worked with his hands. Yeah. And he didn't, I, I guarantee Jesus did not work a 40 hour work week either. He wasn't like showing up, clocking in at nine and then leaving at five and do then you, worried do you about think, overtime. Do you think he worked less than 40 hours? Do you think he no, looked, absolutely he not. He, 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 he was a carpenter, which I mean, back then you think about the tools that they had probably a lot less efficient than the tools they have now. And he was a teacher. So he was studying. He was a lot more than just working. He was, he was filling his time with useful activities. Absolutely. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus crushed it. You know, and there, there's, yep. there's videos that kind of play this and stuff. I think Jesus would have had a spirit of excellence with everything that he brought, with his dad being a carpenter, you know, the way that he was. Um, we're going to get into a, a whole bunch of other topics throughout the, the next several weeks of this show with Alpha Dad here, but we're going to kind of hit, you know, today's faith. You know, we're going to go through finances. We're going to go through family. We're going to hit all kinds of topics in every sphere that that uh, it means to be an alpha dad and, and all the roles that it is to be a man. Um, and I just want to take one quick second and just say this show is brought to you by MyPillow.com. 
Uh, use promo code DAD, D-A-D. Andrew, I can't believe we have promo code DAD. Is that crazy or what? We've got promo code DAD. That's right. Yep. <laughs> they got do you, promo- now, do you have to be a dad to use promo code DAD? Uh, you know, that, dad? that's a good question. I, I think if, if you know a dad, if you are a dad, uh, if you if have a dad, if you're related to a dad, if you have a dad, right. uh, <laughs> you, then I think you're allowed to use this promo code, but promo okay. code dad gets you up to 80% off of everything at mypillow.com. Um, you know, speaking of alphas, I would say, uh, Mike Lindell is definitely an alpha. He's got the alpha dad mustache going on, uh, strong, strong stash game. Um, and you know, he's, Absolutely. he's, he stood for something. He stood for, he's, he's a very courageous person. He stood, uh, in the face of persecution. He's like, Hey, these elections were stolen. He's, we're going to, uh, melt down the machines and turn them into prison bars. And he stood for something in, in the face of, of uh, losing all kinds of, of his, his wealth. He stood for something, but he's, it's, it's the modern day, uh, Jesus flipping over the tables. He was, he was turning the machines into bars. He was weaving the whip. That's what he was doing. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But they have incredible products over there at MyPillow.com. Uh, best slippers yeah. ever. Uh, you know, promo code DAD. Go get something for your dad in your life. Uh, call them out as the alpha that they are and get them, uh, get them some new slippers. Uh, if you got an alpha dog, not just an alpha dad, but an alpha dog, go get an alpha dog uh, dog bed. That's right. <laughs> with MyPillow.com. And get up to 80% off. Use promo code DAD. D-A-D. MyPillow.com. Use promo code uh, DAD. Andrew? In your opinion, why did we create the Alpha Dead Show? Why are we Why are we doing this? We're up, you know, early on a Saturday morning. Why did we make this show? Yeah, the, I think the core of the reason is because there's such a attack on masculine masculinity from uh, like a, like a feminism or the feminist side. There's an attack on masculinity, but the problem is that there's been a really strong counterattack from the the opposition, the other side, uh, which is you know how to be a masculine man. And the problem is that the the men who are giving the example of how to be a masculine men, maybe they're not using the Bible or any sort of moral standards or you know what God has taught us on when they're teaching people how to be a man. And so there are there's kind of both sides. There's the extreme feminist side, and then there's the extreme masculine side, where you know it's it's glorified to uh, have multiple women in your life, and it's it's a good thing. That, that people get their value from how many followers you have and different things like that. And I think there's just an extreme confusion on masculinity and what it is and where to find the truth. Like where, where is that, that maybe not middle ground, but where's, where's the truth at? Where's the truth? You hear so much from this side and you hear so much from this side. And we're here to break down the truth and, uh, and to break down the F seven goals that, uh, that Clay Clark talks about and uh, to basically to help people to live a, uh, a, a great life as a, as a dad, as a man, and how to do that. Today on the Alpha Dad Show, we have a very special guest. Andrew, I'm pretty pumped about this one. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm Are very excited. Are you ready? Are you, are you feeling the flow? Feeling the flow. We're about to be feeling the flow. <laughs> We're going to be feeling the flaw. I'm really excited. We have an entrepreneur. We have a husband. We have a father. He's uh, been multiple different businesses, uh, always been a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, he's been married to the same woman now for uh, over 30 years, come up on 31 years consecutively to the same person. Uh, he is an incredible dad, and I say that both uh, uh, objectively and then also as his son. We have my father, the host of the Flyover Conservative Show, Mr. David Wyden. Welcome, David. Thank you for hey. coming on. It's an honor to be here. I, I'm, I'm really pumped about what you guys are doing. And when you guys first shared the idea of it, I thought, man, this is phenomenal just because there's there's there, there's there's not enough of this kind of messaging out there. And I, I know that you guys are, are like crushing life individually in your own 
lives. And then, uh, which is, which is goal number one, you got to do your own life well, you know, and then, then, then marriage do that well. And then as a dad do that well, and you guys are checking all those boxes, you know, so much so that, uh, you're, you're pouring into, you know, your generation. I just, it's very encouraging to be honest with you. Man, well, thank you very much, and thank you for you know helping giving us a platform. You know, it's it's I think it's a great testimony of, of a man. You you built up this amazing brand with Flyover Conservatives, and uh, now you're hosting onside the Flyover Conservatives show. You're hosting the Alpha Dad show, and uh, and we're pumped to get to partner with you on this this new show. And you are the very first guest. This is episode one uh, of this. Dad, what do you think about the title? Was Jesus gay? As the title of the uh, of the first episode here of the Alpha Dad show. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad we, we chose a nice kind of softball, you know, kind of question topic, yeah. something just kind of kind of easy to on ramp. You know, you're you're trying to appeal to a large audience and, and please everybody. You know, obviously, <laughs> no, you, you probably couldn't pick anything. Easy topic. It, yeah, you couldn't have picked anything in our our current uh, society with with more landmines. You know, everywhere around it, it's it is. Uh, there's probably never been more confusion. Uh, around genders, more confusion about roles in in the world. There's never been a more confusing uh, time, you know, around all of those kind of topics. And uh, um, I think there is a lot of disorder, you know, in the structure of how the world's going. And the, the fruit of that is there is more depression, more anxiety, uh, more, uh, you know, contention, you know, between people, more division, more suicides, more drug overdose, more, you know, they're, they're the, the, the fruit of this, you know, there's a cause and effect to everything. And, uh, you know, if you stay up too late, you're tired the next day. You know, there's just a cause and effect. So I think because of all this confusion and because of all this tension, th- there is a lot of, you know, anxiety in the world. People can feel it. It's, it's, it's tangible. Man, that's a really good point. You know, we're, the theme of the last couple of years here is is this question: What is a woman? And it, it came out because the Supreme Court justice, uh, you know, said there's not really an answer, and there was a lot of vague to it. And like, what is a woman? And now there's you can't call them breastfeeders anymore; they're chest feeders. And there's there's all this, like you said, there's a lot of question about. Uh, you know, all this, but we're starting Alpha Dad show here. So we're going to, you know, flip the question here. It's not, uh, what is a woman, but, but what does it mean to be a man? Starting off the Alpha Dad show, like, what is a man? What does it mean? You know, we got the dad here. We got the alpha here. We got all these different questions. We're going to be wrestling all these different things. I think there's, there's a lot to go through here, but what does it mean in your opinion, David Whited to be a man? Well, I, I think first and foremost, it, 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 it demands, it demands leadership. You know, we're in a really unique moment where that no one's ever been before, you know, before say the last, you know, few minutes of human history where, um, you don't have to cut wood all summer to heat your house in the winter. You know, I mean, just pretty much anybody, the bar is pretty low of what you have to be producing in this world. You can walk over the thermostat and just duke on that one degree warmer, you know, like Pharaoh didn't have that kind of ability, you know, Kings of England, like, you know, the, 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 the Chinese dynasties, you know, they didn't have that kind of, of, of power, you know, indoor plumbing, you know, electricity, you know, the ability to like, we have to go find ways to exercise. You have to go find a treadmill, like go to, go to the 1600s and try to explain, uh, we have a machine to help us walk. And they'd be like, well, why don't you walk? Well, because you don't have to move a lot in our world. So we have to find a way to actually burn calories. Otherwise we get too fat, right. you know, and throughout history, it, it was very rare you'd have the ability to get fat because the, you know you, you ex, your expenditure of effort compared to the calories you could afford and you couldn't store things there's no refrigeration so you know everything about existing you know was hard and a challenge and only the strong survived mm-hmm. um you know if you didn't work you didn't eat if you didn't you know store up in the summer you starved in in the winter you would freeze to death if you didn't prepare so so 
historically, that word dad has always had this 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 weight of responsibility. Mm. You know, um, everybody had roles and they were demanded just simply by the natural process. And I guarantee if we had an EMP or something go off tomorrow, you know, in, in, over the next 69 days, it would be the family structure that would be the thing you would bet on for people to survive. You you can sort of be, I don't need anybody. I'm my own person. You can kind of give, you know, give a finger to the world and I don't need anybody. But I guarantee, you know, if all the lights are off and, and this this magical mystery behind everything, like, whoa, how did how did all this happen? Um, you you know, you you would need family to survive. And 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 so a dad's always had that weight of of, you know, if we don't have something to eat, I can't blame anyone else. It's on me. You know, mm-hmm. if, if there's a, if there's an invader, you know, invading our village or knocking in the door or, or trying to break into our tent or our cave or whatever, like <laughs> it's the dad that's got to be that first line of defense with whatever, you know, weapons they had available, their bare hands or a rock or a bow or, you know, whatever, a knife, like they had to protect those they cared about in order mm-hmm. to perpetuate our own survival, you know, as a species. And so when, when you say, you say, you know, I guess alpha. It's, it's, it, I guess for me, it just, it, it, it sort of, it, it empowers that idea of just ultimate personal responsibility. It's not bravado beating your chest and I'm the man. It's not, it's not how you act when you simply get a first down in an NFL football game and you act like no one's ever done such a thing before. Um, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's this ultimate responsibility, which I think is rooted in the humility of, you mm. know what, it, it's my abilities and what I can put together that other people's lives are depending on. And, and it's, it's up to me ultimately, you know, that if things go wrong, I've got to step in and fix it. I've got to be the solution that other people are depending on. Mm. That's good. That's great. Yeah. And I think, uh, we have come a really, really far, like a long ways away from, uh, like it just being standard to be an alpha dad, you know, like you were saying, it, it was normal to go cut firewood and to go, be a man and to go exercise and be strong and all of these things. It was, it was a lot more normal, but it's been attacked. It's been attacked over these, these past couple of years and for really for a long time, but in a, almost an extreme way in the past 10 or 20 years. And um, ultimately Jesus is the, the perfect example of masculinity, of being a man, of being a, a, an alpha man. And so, um, but again, it's been attacked, but there's been a counterattack of masculinity. So there's an attack from the feminist side, but there's also attack from the masculine side. So it's almost a a battle back and forth between the two. And I think a lot of people are getting their their definition of what it is to be an alpha dad or an alpha male or a a man, a strong man from the Internet. They're getting Mm -hmm. it from reels on Instagram. They're getting it from YouTube videos. They're getting it from interviews from men who have no like moral standards because they are the loudest ones. They're the ones saying, this is what it's like to be a man. But that doesn't mean that's biblically based. That doesn't mean that, that, that doesn't mean it's, it's, they're being like Jesus was when he was here on earth. So my question for you is, where should these men, these young men, any man, where should men be going to find what it is to be a, an alpha dad, a masculine man, a true man? Where should they be going? Where should they be looking? Well, I mean, ultimately, what you want to be driven back to is a, a truth that's timeless. That's not based on a trend. That's not based on oh, this is this gets a lot of clicks. This is a big movement. You know, it's 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 God's word. Um, somebody gave me a challenge. I was a young man. I mean, I'm probably like ten, eleven, twelve, um, and that was to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, there's there's thirty one in a month, and you know, a lot of months have have that many days. 
And so you, you, you can kind of rotate through that, that whole process. And, um, I've, I've, I've accepted that it's been a process, you know, of my entire life. And it's this, you know, it's meant something different to me when I was in, you know, high school or my twenties or thirties or, or forties, but it's something you can kind of continually go back to of like, okay, God laid out a plan for our life to help us prosper. And I think a lot of times the organization of church, and I've been involved in that my entire life, but it, 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 it can kind of ebb and flow based on a trend in, in the moment. And it can kind of lean more towards behavior modification than true internal transformation and a, like a, a broken humility before a perfect God, you know, that, 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 you know, Jesus's standard was, you know, it wasn't like, no, you don't commit adultery. It's like, if you've even looked at a woman, you've done it in your heart. Like we need to like, like be, so it's a standard that you can't meet, but which points you back the fact that you need, you need salvation. You need to be, you know, as an individual, you know, come back, which is interesting in our world today, because everything is group identity. And how do you identify as groups and organizations? Everything about God is individual. Uh, you know, I love my wife. I love my kids, you know, I, I, but I'm going to stand before God alone as an individual. David Whited by himself. How did I live? How did I serve? And and did I repent of, of my sins? That's the standard. But, you know, church kind of goes towards more of a behavior modification where you can kind of blend in and fit like, okay, I by what I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing things that are offensive to others. I, I'm not smoking or, you know, or these kind of things become, you know, almost gods, you know, because it's easier to do that sometimes than to have a transformation of your heart on the inside. So when, when you talk about, um, you know, what do we use as that guide? The Bible doesn't sway one way or the other. And when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's laid out not for God's pleasure to keep us from fun things. You know, when you look at them in their essence, it's, it's don't steal, don't mm-hmm. lie, don't cheat. Well, why? Because if you're living throughout history and all of these civilizations and you're in a village, you're in a town, you're in a community, and if you can't trust me with your wife, if, 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 I, if I break that vow of marriage, you might kill me. Right. If, you can't, if you can't trust my word to do business with me, okay, I'm going to be left outside that circle of trust. You're not going to trade and barter with me. I might starve. You know, I might not be able to trade my cows for your grain or for your, you know, chopped wood or, you know, like, like all of these things are for my benefit so I can live the best life possible. And so, you know, it's to, it's to protect me from poor decisions. The same way, if you're a dad, you look at your child, like you don't want them to be two years old and be playing with fire or a sharp knife because they could get hurt. You want to protect them from, from those things. You want them to prosper and do well. So, so the, the direction's always got to be back to God's word and it, 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 it's not just a, a motivational message on Sunday with three points that you can use in your sales meeting on Monday. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 it should be something that's convicting that, that leads you to a brokenness before God of saying, man, you know what? There's a lot of problems in the world, but boy, I've got a bunch myself. And what do I need to, to the, the, the jagged edges of my own heart? I've got to sand off. How can I serve my wife better? How can I serve my children better? You know, that, that kind of, you know, the, the best sign of alphaness isn't beating your chest and how many women you've had or your Ferrari. And I'm not nothing against Ferraris or anything else. Those are amazing. But you know, that this, this edification of you, you mentioned you know, Instagram reels, like all those things good in addition to, but an alpha dad is one who's laying in bed at night thinking, you know what, how can I serve my family better? How can I lead better? How can I make sure that this business that I'm building that has employees, you know, that, that I'm meeting payroll, that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leading in a way that their jobs are secure in a crazy economic environment. Like that is the sign of a leader, which is a biblically based leader. And you can't lead better 
than Jesus himself did. His whole life was geared towards one moment that he knew he was born for, and that was to die for us. Yeah. You know, uh, so I, mm-hmm. I, I think when, when you gear back towards the word of God, it's going to kind of always pull you to this place of, of, of demanding leadership and personal responsibility, while at the same time, a humility and service. Man, that's so good. That's great. Yeah. I have like a, I have like a two pronged question here. Um, you know, like gr- growing up, obviously I grew up with an amazing alpha dad. You, uh, <laughs> I'd say you're, you're an incredible dad. Um, you grew up without a great example of a dad in the home. And, and I, I think it's, it's, it's great for me because I grew up with a great example in the home of like, wait, what's it look like for a, a, a husband to serve his wife and to serve his family? And what does that look like? What's that growing up without the dad in your home? How did you, you know, coming into like 19, 20, 21, you know, into these, you, you, you were a young dad growing up, you know, how did you like pick role models? How did you decide? I remember, I remember you talking about, you're like, Hey, I, I'm choosing friends now mm. and I'm cutting out friends in my life because not because they're not awesome, not because I don't like them, but because the way that they're talking with things that they're saying, I know they're going to affect me and I don't want them to affect you. And so how do you, how did, how did you kind of pick friends, but also how did you find role models that you were like, I want to be around these people and I want, I want that to be an example and walk us through a little bit of that process of, of, you know, without, without growing up with an alpha dad in the home, how did you become an alpha dad? Yeah. Not even a, not even a beta dad. He just bounced, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I know, I know uh, and, 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 and as, as a man, he actually was, he was a really great, great guy, uh, you know, that was, was, was smart, had a great brain, um, had a great vocabulary, had a lot of things going for him, but, but really, uh, you know, the level of personal responsibility that's required to lead uh, was, 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 you know, void of, of that, of that area of, of his life. And so um, I, I celebrate single moms. I think that that's amazing. I was, I was raised by one, but it's not the ideal. It puts a tremendous amount of weight. And I look at even, even, you know, raising you guys, I'm like, man, you know, having, you know, a, a two parent home is one of the greatest advantages that you can possibly give. And that's not a, you know, an indictment for somebody doing it outside of that. It's just, you can drive a car with your feet, but does it make it like the best way to do it? You know, right. it's not the ideal, you know, situation. And so um, for me growing up, there was some, you know, these like internal vowels, even as a small child, they're like, man, you know, I, I recognized the void that was left and it wasn't just, you know, the financial burden and these things. There was, you know, man, I wanted dad around to play catch with. I wanted dad around that, you know, was doing, you know, some of these things that was leading our home well, you know, that, mowing the grass and taking responsibility. I think my mom would have been a better version of herself if, if she would have had a strong man with her to not have her have that whole load, mm-hmm. you know, on it. And so there's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of aspects that, but you make these little internal vows sometimes as a kid, sometimes it's like, when I grow up, we're not going to be poor. When I grow up, we're not going to, you know, you know, be like this or that. But my big one was just that, um, that I would, I would have, have a home. And so I, I didn't have a model of that to see. I wasn't modeling, something I'd ever seen, but I almost made up this almost like romantic, you know, version of what was possible in my mind. And, and I, for some reason gravitated towards friends, even girls I dated. Um, it wasn't real intentional, but looking back, they all came from families that had like two strong parents at home. And I think, cause I was wow. so like malnourished in that area. I was just like, who has that? And I, and I, and I craved that so much you know, in, in, in my own life that I was looking for that, you know, oh, everywhere. And so and again, the, the, the Proverbs a day, Proverbs speaks a ton about these kind of principles. And, and so the idea of, of tithing came into my life as a small kid, the idea of saving mm-hmm. 10%, the idea of spending less than you make, you know, creating, creating processes in your life that eliminate stress that lead towards 
you know, divorce isn't like just one day, like, oh, I'm, I married the wrong person. She's not my soulmate, you know, this kind of stuff. It, it, it's usually, it's, it's, it's a long series of poor choices that put strain on the mechanism in a way that it's not designed to operate. And it just kind of, you know, stops working the same way your grass dies when you don't take care of it. And so, wow. um, so all of those decisions. And so from the very beginning, the idea of, okay, how do I make a marriage that works? Because I knew that if that worked, then you got like the roof and the structure and everything you put in it will be safe, meaning your kids, your business. And, and so from a marriage standpoint, um, a lot of times people say, cause we, you know, have ran a lot of businesses and done a lot of things. We have a music career, a lot of different lives. Like how do you do that and keep your marriage intact? And the answer mm-hmm. is always, I'm able to do those things because of my marriage. My marriage mm-hmm. is the pot that the tree yeah. grows out of. That's the soil. That's what gives me, you know, Jim Rohn has this saying, he says, you know, when, when a man walks out the door in the morning with the warmth of his wife's kiss on his cheek, you know, what can he not accomplish? You know, this kind of thing. And, and, you know, I just get one little whisper from, from my wife of like, you got this, you know, yeah. man, you're going to crush this meeting. I'm just like, Oh, come on. You know, what, <laughs> what have I got? And, and so like, it. like it, it's from my marriage that those things are, are, are possible. And so, uh, I, I don't know, I know association's important. And so, uh, you know, again, putting God's word in that's association, the kind of music I'd watch and the music I listen to and movies I would watch, but also friends. I know that I become more like the people I spend time with. And I knew that my kids would model me. And so even in a business situation, if somebody I knew that'd be profitable, this would be a great relationship, but if they had this, maybe they were good in this area, but they had this language of, ah, the old ball chain at home. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, one time I was on a, on a, on a business trip, I was with a bunch of guys. We'd gone to a, a football game and then afterwards, they're like, man, this was great. And it caught me completely off guard because I knew these guys, but they weren't like first generation friends. They were like kind of, you know, third ring out. And they decided they all wanted to go to a strip club. And I was <laughs> I was shocked that that was the case. I'm like, you know, and, and they and they were heckling me. Oh, what, what are you going to do? Stacy going to say something? Yeah. Wife going to say something? And I'm like, it doesn't matter what she says or if she even knows. I know. And this is not an environment that I want to be in. So I, I, you know, this is before Ubers, you know, I took a, took a cab, went back to the hotel and we kind of all parted ways. And the only one that didn't, and I'm just like, man, I, I, I don't want to make, you know, decisions on association that is going to be, I, I, like, it's bad for me, but I always thought, would I want my son to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, makes it, you know, for an easy choice. And I think it's these, you know, those little micro compromises over time that, that really kind of, kind of affect the whole situation. That's good. That's great. Yeah. And I, I think you're totally right. I think um, when you say like, would I want my son to do this? Being a recent dad, only been a dad for about two years, you you have thoughts that you don't have before you're a dad. You mm-hmm. you think about these things and you're like, you think about would I want my son to do this? Would I want my son to see me doing this or react or uh, uh, basically do the same things that I'm doing as well? And, uh, uh, and a lot of times you're like, man, I need to change. And it helps you kind of realize and, and recognize things in your life that you need to change. So that way you can properly raise, uh, children. Um, but I really like what you were talking about with the, you, how you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And yes. I think a lot of dads believe that they're a dad when they're at home. So they need to think about it when they're at home. So when I come home from work, then I'm a dad. Well, you're a dad all the time. And you, your, your brain is being molded and created and shaped all day long. So what you do while you're away will impact everything at home. It will make a huge change. 
And that was a really good point. I've never really thought about it like that. I've thought about in a business sense, like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So hang out with successful people. But I've, I've never put the connection there between like your son is one of the five people you spend the most time with, like, especially as they're being raised. So who you, it just trickles, it trickles down. So who you spend the most time with, it will affect them. So I, that's a phenomenal point. I really appreciate that. Um, so what I'm curious about is like practical steps and practical things people can do that help to bring, bring how to be a man and how to be a godly man into the home. Like what are some things that men should be doing in their homes to help to raise godly sons, godly daughters, godly, godly uh, humans in their life, in their own homes, some practical steps mm. that people can do. That's a good question. You know, um, when we first got married, you know, I, I obviously, you know, young and selfish and full of great ideas and, and, uh, <laughs> um, I could easily identify the, the things that my wife could do better that, you know, things mm-hmm. that, that annoyed me that if she stopped, then I wouldn't be so irritated and we'd be getting along better. Um, you know, that was, I had a gift for that, you know, of, of, uh, finding flaws. Right. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, I think a transformation kind of happened when I, when I sort of realized, you know what, the harder I work on me. And, and again, it kind of goes back to personal responsibility. The Bible demands that Jesus mm-hmm. demands that God demands that the book of Proverbs, you know, demands that if you read it, there's this daily refining of like, okay, I, the only thing I can really control in this world is David Whited and that's barely. And so, uh, the, something kind of magical happened again, we're going to have our 31st anniversary and, and every year has been, been better especially after the first five, it's kind of a little rocky because we didn't have the skills. We're passionately in love, but, but ill-equipped, you know, there's not a lot of classes in school about how to become wealthy. There weren't a lot of classes in school about managing your money. We're not classes in school about conflict resolution and how to, how to listen, you know, and, and work through a, a, a topic with another person. So we had to, we had to, we had to grind those things out and, and, and seek other sources. But, but I would say from a practical standpoint, yes, what's a practical tip. I'd say number one dads out there, if you look yourself in the mirror and you focus and let's say, let's say, you know, you got a circle here and here's, here's all the problems in the world. And maybe your, your, your wife, you know, she's got like all these things over here and you could list them very accurately. And they're probably true. It's not whether those things are true or not. It's, it's what can I work on that would change our, our life? What are things, what are my weaknesses? What am I falling short in? And the more that I focused on those, just, she magically got better. You know, uh, the, the best way to make your wife better is to focus on yourself and say, what can I, and now is that easy? No, it's hard because man, nobody also can hurt me like she can. Nobody can offend me like she can. Nobody's, nobody has access to these deepest places. My, my most vulnerable things, my weaknesses, that something you would say in an argument, you know, that's going to be a zinger, you know, nobody has that ability. And so it's, it's, it's hard to, to turn that off in the heat of a moment and say, you know Mm. what, what what did I do, even if it was only 1% of this whole argument, what did I do that led to this? And I'm going to work on that. You know, what, what, what could I do to help make our finances better? What could I get up 15 minutes earlier and read, you know, Proverbs? Could I, you know, what, what is, like asking God and God will show you, you know, and just make a list, just write at the top of paper. What can I do to be a better man? What can I do to be a better mm-hmm. husband? What can I do to be a better, you know, leader in my community? And just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you. And then if you spend the vast majority of your time for this, you ask for a practical tip. What if I spend the vast majority of my time 
seeking that out, looking for mentors in those areas, trying to find a book, you know, fi- finding speeches, a TED talk somebody gave on that topic. Like if I, if I, if I pursue that proverb says, if you pursue wisdom, the way people pursue silver, you know, if I pursue wisdom, mm-hmm. like, 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 like air for somebody that's being held underwater. If I'm, if I pursue and value that wisdom in that area that, that I need to improve in a lot of things just start falling into, into place. And I, and I think that's the number one role of a dad. Now in the past, it would have been, how can I cut wood better? How can I do this? How can I, you know, and, and we're in a different environment today. So how do I navigate, mm-hmm. you know, this interesting place that yeah. we're in that other generations didn't have to deal with, but the answers are in God's word. The Holy spirit reveal it to you, but your focus has got to be, what can you change and transform? Whew. That's great. That's so good. I, the, yeah, exactly. No, the, the the fact is that you and your spouse, if you have a strong relationship together, it makes it so much more easy. It makes it so much easier to raise children in a in the right way, in the mm-hmm. biblical way. And uh, my mentor for a long time, Clay Clay Clark, uh, he taught me a long time ago. You go on a date night every single week, every single week. And there's been there was one week where we didn't have date night, and uh, he dropped everything, called his daughter, and got us a babysitter that night, and we had a date night that week. Like we wow. have not skipped a date night. He, he literally told me I cannot skip a date night. And it's been, a, it's had a huge impact because my life is so much better as a result of having a, a really solid connection and communication with my spouse. The other thing he told me is every single date night, you have to ask the question, you have to ask the question, how can I be a better husband? And I've asked that question for the past, I think uh, we've been married for a actually next week is our anniversary, our six year anniversary. So over the past six years, I've asked that question every single week. How can I be a better husband? And it's, it's made a, like, I can't even describe how big of an impact that's made because she'll bring stuff up that's damaging our relationship. She'll bring wow. stuff up that's damaging the relationship with our son, like with Lincoln. And she'll say, Hey, whenever you come home, it's really important that when he's trying to talk to you, that you're not on, on your phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ouch. <laughs> you know, like that hurts, sure. you know, but, but no one else is going to tell me that if she doesn't tell me that, and she's not going to tell me that if I don't ask her that question. So, uh, I, I really love what you said there. And it's, it's, it really truly is important that you have a strong relationship and connection with your spouse. It's incredibly so important. important. I we're getting right back for 31st anniversary. I could count on these fingers, how many weeks we've missed that we didn't have. It, it, it used That's the term great. date. You know, I would just use like this idea of like sanctified time It's time set apart yeah. from anything else. There was times mm-hmm. in our marriage where, cause some people was like, well, I don't have the money or this kind of stuff. It might have just been, we put the kids to bed early. And, but, right. but I say sanctified, like a sanctified means like, you know, there, it's, it's a, it's a dish from your kitchen. You wouldn't use it to like, mm. you know, collect dog poop in the yard with, you know, it's like mm. right, it's set right. apart just for cooking. It's like apart from everything right. else. So, so some time that's set apart that the phone's off everything else. And it might be, mm-hmm. you know, playing a board game or doing something, but it's, it, it's time set apart. That's just for you. And you kind of maybe try to protect some of that conversation from work and other things where it's about your relationship. So, uh, that's critical. And, and also this is, ma- this is like a very controversial statement I'm going to make here. Um, we love those. As you know. <laughs> <Yeah>, apparently, <laughs> your but, but I went into it. My highest priority was my marriage, not being a dad. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I could only have one thing on my tomb stone, it would be like, dude, this guy crushed being a husband. This guy was an amazing husband. Something about that. And he was a pretty good dad. If I had to yeah. choose it versus flipping it, this was an amazing dad and he was an okay husband. Like I would not want that. And and because um, I, I've always felt like, you know, because again, I grew up without a dad. I'm like, you know, 
if, 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 if our marriage is strong, even if I drop the ball one day or another on the, on the kid thing, my marriage is forever. It's like the long-term thing. And there's, there's a lot more grace for your, your parents and what they maybe didn't do perfect with you. If there's that stability and you've got that, that, that pillar to come back to. And so, you know, right. I, I always treated it like that. Like if I had to drop a ball, the last ball, I'm going to, I'll drop the business ball. I'll drop the dad ball. I'll drop this ball. I might drop the workout ball for a time. I'll drop what, but I'm not going to, you know, do my, I'm going to do my, my highest priority is to keep the marriage ball in the air when I'm juggling, you know, of, of all the things. And I think that's served me the best as a dad, ironically, mm -hmm. uh, is, is to keep that. Yeah. We're in a world where like, Oh, our kids, we got to have them in horseback riding lessons and ballet and French and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, you need to keep your kids alive and you need to, <laughs> you need to log a lot of hours with them. And I was yep. much more interested in logging hours with my kids, having them participate in as many of my already existing activities uh, than right. I was having them in a whole bunch of, you know, stupid stuff being trained by somebody not named David White, you know, right. them around yep. me a lot. And then my marriage was the highest priority. Man, love that's, good. that's so good. I love that. <laughs> that's so good. We should, so you're, good. <laughs> you're, you're the you're the doctor. So good. You're the so so good. <laughs> David White. <laughs> you, know, you you do think in terms of a lot of, of, of paradigms and like here's here's the way you look at this. Here's the lens. You know, it's the uh, if you ever seen uh, National Treasure, he's got like the red and the blue, the Benjamin Franklin <laughs> glasses, and that's like how he, he sees the map on the back of the Constitution. Um, paradigm wise, as we're closing up here we'll wrap up here with this but as we're you know uh, you got jim Rohn. you've mentioned him earlier in the show he says um uh don't wish it was easier wish you were better you know that's a great paradigm that like you can think through life with and every time every time you're like man this is so hard you know i wish this was easier just like flip that it's an easy flip and all of a sudden it's like okay i wish i was better if i became better this would become easier um as as an alpha dad as a dad thinking through the perspective of, of fatherhood and i think you, you might have nailed it there with the the, the spouse part there but paradigms to think through what would be kind of the marching orders or like the the mantra the, the 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 return back to home base you know in in uh what's that what's that movie with kevin james and will smith where he's like hey you know stay stay at home base stay at home base you know don't, don't go crazy don't go crazy don't make the pizza <laughs> stay, stay at home base. <laughs> what's the home base for the, the paradigm that that dad should be thinking through that you know man should be thinking through as a husband father business owner as like these different roles that they have what's the paradigm they should be they should be coming home to well, I'd say the, the the paradigm. It just kind of it's kind of been a theme this whole conversation. But the fingers have got to be pointed here, you know. And and somebody can be like, oh, "I'm this," and I can curl a bunch of weight. And but if if you, if you're blank, you know, if, if you got a problem, if the you know the sink's full of dishes, you know, it's like, well, you know what? I wish she was doing this, or I wish we had a maid, or I. But like, you know then I need to lead in that area. Then I need to get the dishes. I need to do this. I need to get up earlier Then I, you know, like the things in your life. Cause, cause here's the deal. It is so hard to control a woman. <laughs> they're, they're scrappy. They got nails. They bite, you know, it's very hard. It, it, These are controlling facts. a woman is much more like controlling a horse. You can't put a horse in a headlock and make him do what you want. Horses are mm -hmm. too strong and women are strong and mm -hmm. they, they work best when you work with them, you know, mm -hmm. and you're not like forcing and pushing. It's hard to push a horse, you know, but, but, but you can lead a horse well, and they actually thrive when, when led, when they're working with uh, someone doing the right things. And so um, the only way that you can lead well in a relationship like that is 
so much personal responsibility that they feel safe when they're close to you. You know, my, my wife's grandfather's name was Keith Mullen. Um, I was so attracted to her family. Her dad, my Stacey's dad was my coach when I was in high school and just incredible men, you know, in this family, it was a great heritage to kind of come in and draft under, but, but her, her, her grandfather was a, was a, was a horse trader, a horse trainer and clear into his seventies. He broke a rib in his late seventies, you know, uh, training and breaking a horse. And, um, he, he had this, this strength, you know, uh, you know, like big, thick fingers, you know, he's just as strong. He's just like he physically, even as a, as a, I, mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have messed with him in his seventies. Um, but he had this strength that wasn't scary. That repelled you. He had this strength that the closer you got to him, the safer you felt. And, and it was because like, he, he, there was no question. He would always tell the truth. There was never a question he would, it, you know, be the first one to work, the last one to leave, that he, w- he would sacrifice the most. If there wasn't enough of something here, you can have it. I'll go without. Like he had also in, in a very like demonstrative physical presence as well, but it was a presence that the closer, it's almost like a fire, the closer you were to it, the warmer and safer you were, not, not, not a, a, a strength that scared you, that pushed you away, that intimidated you or tried to control you. It wasn't a Mm -hmm. controlling strength. It was so much personal responsibility and leadership that you wanted to be closer because the closer you were, you knew the safer you were instinctively, even small children knew it. And, and so I I think that paradigm shift is it's, it's gotta be pointed back at you as men and, and, and women are craving it. They, they really are. They, they, they want to be near a man that leads well, that doesn't come from weakness, that wants to manipulate and control for their own physical pleasures, for their own ego, that they're willing to lay those things down to serve. That's Christ-like, that's Keith Mullen-like, and I can guarantee it's Clay Clark-like, and it, and, and, and it, and it works. And, and we're, 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 the way a tree leans towards the sun, you know, we're, we're, we're designed to work in, in, in that kind of a structure. Dude. It's great. That was amazing. That was incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Alpha Dad Show, episode one uh, of of the Alpha Dad Show. Thank you again for the for the platform and for uh, lending us lending us your platform as well to expand out this message. I think our our mission with this show is to inspire ten thousand dads mm-hmm. to join us on this mission of becoming alpha dads. And I think we're all figuring this out. I don't think there's ever like a I've arrived. You know, I, I think there'd be very few guys especially the best dads. I think like, if you're claiming that you're the alpha dad, uh, you're not quite the alpha dad yet. So I think, you know, being like, Hey, okay, I'm, I'm on the spectrum. I'm learning. I'm, I'm figuring this out, but, uh, you know, we're, we're on this mission of creating 10,000 new alpha dads. So I thank you for joining us today. I thank you for your wisdom. And I thank you for inspiring our audience to become an alpha dad. I, I love it. I don't think anybody's going to learn as much as you two will, uh, from this process. Cause you know, you want to really master a topic, try to teach it. <laughs> and uh, the the research preparation, the guests that you have on, you guys are going to gain so much from that. And I just love the technology we have today where you can then in turn, you know, redirect this out. And other people can benefit from those conversations as well. So I just applaud you for not just in the minimums in your own life, but also, you know, being willing to do extra and give back. So uh, I hope people follow uh, this and share it and, and participate in, in, in your own growth as you guys, you know, go through this. Uh, it's going to be great to watch. All right, so we're calling this section of our show the reaction section of our show, where we're reacting to culture. You know, we're pursuing being alpha dads here, 10,000 new alpha dads, uh, but there's a lot going on in our culture, and so we're grabbing snippets out of culture. We're grabbing little cuts, little pieces, and we're giving our perspective on them. So, Andrew, are you ready for this? 
I am so ready, kind of kind of nervous for what we're going to see here. But oh, my I'm, goodness. I'm oh my goodness. And if you would like to send in some, something you want us to react to, if you got some good reactions here, send it to us. Go to in, uh, email it to info at alphadadshow.com. Info at alphadadshow.com. Send us something you want us to react to. Send us something you think is culture-worthy uh, and, uh, and is a good cross-section for us to react to as Alpha Dads. Go ahead. Clip Love one. God is gay. God is a lesbian. God is trans. God is gender non-binary. God is straight. God is cisgender. God is black. God is white. God is Middle Eastern. God is Asian. God is differently abled mentally and physically. God is able-bodied. God is you, and you are God because you are a reflection of God's divine image. Oh my God. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty crazy. And I think that this is again like what we mentioned at the beginning of the show. I think this is a, a very small portion of Christ, like churches. Yep. And but it's it's an extreme. And it's definitely an extreme. And where where this guy, I don't know who he is or where he's from, but what he's getting wrong here is he's trying to say that God is Alpha and Omega, he's everything. He's this, he's that, God is this, this, God is everything. Well, God is the absence of sin. Like there's no unholy, there's no sin inside of God. And being gay is a sin. And so it is completely impossible to say that God is gay or that God is anything like that. Um, Yes, God is everywhere. God is, uh, he created all things, but he's not, he is, there's no portion of him that is sin. So that clip is just crazy. You know, everyone's looking like I'm, I'm in Lee Summit, Missouri, right? I mean, this is this is pretty red territory from a political perspective. It's, we're, we're, we're in red zones for sure. Uh, and I, in our Facebook group here for like the city group, like the, the Lee Summit Facebook group, people were uh, somebody posted recently that they were looking for an affirming church. And I was like, what is affirming? I didn't even look it up because they just said they just said affirming church and affirming church is a church. Again, it doesn't just accept LGBTQ stuff. They affirm it. They're like, we applaud that. Like, hey, you know, you're gay. That's awesome. Come to our church. And and uh, it's again, it's just a slippery slope. And I would say that's that's beyond affirming. That's like that's 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 like here it is. You know, he's got the, the rope with the, right. the flag and the pastor's uh, gay. Every, yeah. everything's all 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 flagged up there uh and you know i i i think uh we're, we're in an interesting time here for sure and as alpha dads i do think it's important to hold that standard so all right number two wives submit to your own husbands we can just stop there we're already at war we're already at war with our culture right i i, I didn't even finish the whole verse and we're already at war with our culture wives submit to your own husbands Let me just point out, right? Let me just make my point here. Number one, this verse, obviously, when we read this, we think about feminism, right? And feminism's war with the gospel, feminism's war with marriage. Great. But do we also consider the fact that in the modern neo-Marxist culture where everything is seen through the lens of power relations and this oppressor-oppressed paradigm. To to the neo-Marxist, marriage is part of this oppressive paradigm. Good one. Good one, good one, good one. He he did a a special uh, with, uh, on the Sunday special with um, 
with Ben Shapiro recently, and it, it was really good. But I, really? it, was it was interesting perspective because he talked about you know what does it mean to be a man? You know, a lot of alpha dad yeah. stuff there. Um, but he he grew up without a dad in his home. He grew up without, uh, any of that, and then he actually grew up uh, Muslim. And then didn't even uh, find God until later in his life. But I would say he is definitely a strong example of manhood there. And there's a lot to go over there. But he talked about growing up in a neo-Marxist culture. And I think that's what we're talking about right now. You know, the, we talked about there's this tension between like the 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 the, the over-masculinated, toxic masculine, uh, you know, the, the Andrew Tate type stuff. And again, I, I think Andrew mm-hmm. Tate is an interesting case study just to put on the table and like why is culture responding the way that it is to him um as a person Uh, but this neo-marxist i think we're in this world of like there's no god and what does this mean and all you know all this this world and so as alpha dad's you know showing up here um you know i think he's he's got a great paradigm there of like god man wife you know and how these these roles play out and i think you know that 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 power paradigm uh is a fascinating a fascinating concept for sure and i think i think it's important to follow the bible on that Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Vody does a phenomenal job. I've gotten to see him, I think one time at a, it was like at a homeschool conference a long time ago, but it was a long, long time ago. But um, he, 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 what he's saying there is so true. And there's, there is such an attack on the marriage and biblical, like what it means to be a husband and a wife uh, to biblical standards. Like Mm -hmm. there's a huge attack on that. And like what we were talking about in the interview with your dad is that like, that is the thing that like, if all else goes away, you still have that. You've got your relationship with God, and then you've got a relationship with your wife. Everything else can go away, and you can still make it. You know, Amen. so. But the culture today is attacking. Not, I and mean, they've always attacked God. They've always attacked a relationship with Jesus Christ. But now they're attacking stronger than ever the 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 family, the relationship with the husband and a wife at a level where they're trying to say, you know, it shouldn't be a one man and one woman. It can be one man and multiple women or one man and another man. And they're just attacking at every single angle. And they're, they have an agenda. They have a plan. And it is to destroy the family unit because without that, you don't have – without God and the family unit, there's not a lot left. No. You know, we, we, I, my dad mentioned in the interview, you know, we, there's this era where like, you, you know, coming out of the cave and you got the knife and all this stuff. And I, I think we used to have to fend off predators that had sharp teeth. And I think today mm-hmm. we're fighting off predators that have sharp ideas and they're coming into the homes, you know, and they're, they're, they're attacking through televisions and through, you know, when our defenses are down. And so I do think through as school, an alpha, education, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. You send your kids out as missionaries into the public school system. I, I think that's, that's right. a bad, that's a bad move. Um, it's a, you know, as being an alpha dad, I think it's our job to protect. I think it's our job to, to stand against the neo-Marxist culture. And I think that is our, that is our role. We're the first line of defense. The first thing when predators come to the door, they should see is the dad there, um, with the knife and, and, uh, some of those things you got behind you over your left shoulder. I think that's, that's an important role, uh, (laughs) as the alpha dad right now. All right. Video clip number three, roll it. Don't ask me what you know is true. Don't have to tell you. I love your precious heart. I I was standing. You were there. Two worlds colliding. And they could never tear us apart. 
man, powerful commercial. <laughs> That's powerful cool. commercial. It, it doesn't make it good, but yeah. it's a powerful commercial. You can share a lot. You know, that was a Super Bowl commercial this year, uh, during the Super yep. Bowl this yep. this past year. And and uh, they, they he gets us campaigns. I, I like what they're pushing for. You know, the, the guy that actually started it is is a Christian man, and he's like, you know, we always watch the Super Bowl, we always watch these NFL games, and they're full of you know, beer commercials and, uh, you know, uh, women in bikinis and all this stuff. He goes, I just want something that like promotes Jesus. And then he, he, he plays lots of commercials that I think are great. And he, he played this commercial and, and, um, you know, I think it's stirred up a lot of interesting conversations inside of our culture around what was Jesus's role and, and who was he and, um, and who, who are we supposed to be because of that? And it said, he didn't preach hate. He preached, uh, you know, he washed feet. And I think there's a lot of obviously interesting conversations to have around there. I wouldn't mind having some of that right now with you, but um, the the idea of accepting of of the sin versus being with the sinner and loving the sinner, and what does that look like? And how do you how do you you know maintain a moral standard? It, it, like washing the feet was not accepting of the person's sin. The washing of the feet came after. There's like, hey. I like the washing the feet was actually only with the disciples, those that were like in the inner circle. That he's like, "Hey, I, you're you're my guys. I'm you know this is this is us. We're serving each other, and there's this love amongst this 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 group here." Um, but at the end of the day, when he was talking about like who he was with, he was with I, I've heard people like he was with tax collectors, he was with prostitutes, he he was with these people, but he didn't like, "Hey, you're doing a great job." He said, "Hey, go and sin no more." You know, "Hey, I I love you," and there's the new standard. And I think at the end of the day, he doesn't just accept the sin. He doesn't tolerate the sin. He loves the sinner and doesn't tolerate the sin. We've like, we've like again, that spectrum of like, you know, you, you're tolerated, then you accept it, then you affirm it. Um, you know, he, he didn't even tolerate the sin. He's like, no, that's not acceptable. But I love you and I see you and you have a God that loves you and pursues you like a great dad should. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't accept it. And I don't affirm it. And that's that, I think that's where this message is getting muddled, and there's this gray area, and I think that's where Satan's able to come in and whisper these little lies that take people off course. Um, what are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. The the it's it's a it's a warm to hot. It's a the cooking the frog really really slow. And we start off with something like this, and it's you know music plays a strong role in in you know commercials or in just really anything in life. If you listen to a song, so there's there's music. This commercial plays like emotional scenes, different like high intense times, like emotions, like there's a, there's scenes of riots going on. There's scenes of all these different things. So it's like a high emotion thing. And then uh, I agree 100% with what you said. It's it's not bad to spend time like Jesus did with the tax collector, with the prostitute, with but he was he was setting an example for them. He was telling them, hey, here's, you know, here's what you've done and that's okay. I forgive you. And here's where you need to go now versus a, hey, what you're doing is great. I encourage it. You should keep doing it. We should all just get along, put our differences aside and, and just spend more time together. That's not what he was doing. He was saying, hey, here he was providing an, an example through himself for other people. And I, I do think that, um, you know, maybe he had good intentions of making this commercial. I don't really know too much about the uh, the person or the organization to put the commercial together. Mm-hmm. But um, but it is more and more of what today's culture is of accept it. And then yep. it just slowly moves on to affirm. Then, and, then, and then the extreme side, which sometimes we see quite frequently, is that an attack. It almost goes acceptance, affirming, and then attack, where mm. if you if you don't agree with it, then you get canceled. 
then yeah. you have then you have then you get called names then you get ha- like all of this other stuff starts happening it's like the extreme side and it definitely happens people do attack the the people who don't accept and affirm uh, gay people and it's just not the way it should be and it's it's happening inside the church it's happening on uh, religious websites and organizations like the one that that uh, uh, that might have put this commercial together you know I don't know if they're attacking people but they're they're putting out content that is starting here and then it just will slowly but surely go to all the way to the other side gosh so true so true you know you you uh you and i both are, me- are mentored by a guy named clay clark he's a business coach out of uh tulsa oklahoma um you guys can go to thrivetimeshow.com to check out his his business coaching i think we're going to be um going through some of his books and we got all kinds of, of big plans here but um you know clay clark as a business coach let me let me just ask you this clay clark as, as a business coach like like you know not that being a bad business person is a sin but as a, as a, as an analogy here, as we're comparing these two, uh, you know, if, if if someone has like a bad Google Map or their website isn't set up properly or their stuff isn't bad, like does does Clay just accept it as it is and love them as they are and just say, hey, this is totally great? Is that in their best interest as a business owner for him just to be like, hey, I love you as you are, I accept you as you are, hey, pay me the money, that's totally fine, and I'll just I'll just accept you the way that you are? Is that what a bit good business coach would do, or, or how, no. how would Clay handle that? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> the it, it would be it would be uh, you would be unloving if you did that. If you took somebody and said, "Hey, I understand that you have this idea, and I understand that what you believe that is completely contrary to the facts, because maybe the fact is, you know, this is how you grow a business, but you believe this. It's mm. contrary to the fact, and you strongly believe it. And just because of that, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna support you." I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to back you and say, keep doing it. Go for it. You should do that. If he did that, then it would be, it would be such a negative thing. It would be out of, it would have to be out of hate because you are harming somebody more than you are helping them. The helpful and the loving thing to do would be to say, Hey, I get it what you're doing and what you're trying and what you think and what you believe, but this is what's correct. That is incorrect. This is what is correct. And if you follow the correct path, the straight and narrow. If you go down this path here, whether it's business or whether it's, uh, you know, the Bible and Jesus Christ, whatever it is, if you do go down this narrow path, you'll have much more success in the area that you're going down. It would be like if a personal trainer was at a gym and their client was like, like doing tricep pull downs, but was like using their back and injuring themselves yeah. with too much weight and, and like harming themselves. It would be so unloving, unloving of them to say, I'm just going to let them keep doing that. You know what? I don't want to offend them. I don't want to, I don't want to like be, I don't want to start any hate. I don't want to do anything like that. So I'm going to let them keep doing that and end up completely destroying their body. Now, the loving thing to do would be to go over there and say, Hey, you're doing a great job. That's more weight than I can even do. Let's go ahead and bring the weight down a little bit and get some good form here and do it right. And do it right. That's That's the loving thing to do. But most people think that's hateful. And the world's coming in, not to say that's hateful. They're like, who are you to even say, you know, who are you right. to say, I shouldn't be able to lift this with my back? You know, who are you to say? And I, I, when things are objectively true, they're objectively true. There is a such thing as truth and there is such thing as, as lies. And the, the truth is at the end of the day, you know, uh, touching dead bodies hurts you. That's why it says don't touch dead bodies. You know, they, 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 he, he, he didn't explain all the germ theory and everything else and how all these no. things work. He just said, hey, don't touch dead bodies. Not a good idea. Hey, don't steal. Don't kill. These are bad ideas. They're objectively bad ideas. And so in that commercial, when it says he washed their feet, he's not accepting of the idea. He was loving the person and 
and rejecting the ideas that they were holding on to so tightly, not just so that they were rejected and they were left with an empty hand, but so that their hands were empty and ready to receive something better. Um, and I think that that's what the He Gets Us campaign, they, they were so close. I mean, I think there were really powerful commercials and it's like, uh, just a little small tweak. Yep. Uh, they would have been much better. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for joining us, uh, ladies and gentlemen, mostly gentlemen, I'm sure. But thank you guys for joining us today. Again, uh, this show is brought to you by MyPillow.com. Use promo code DAD, D-A-D, uh, to show the dads in your life, the men in your life, uh, that they are alphas. Tell them they're an alpha and give them a great pillow uh, so that they can wake up the next morning roaring like a lion and ready to take on uh, the day. Dad, promo code DAD, D-A-D. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week on the Alpha Dad Show. 